the best coaches in the game, <laughs> we really ain't playing We regroup up in the slack chat where the coaches debrief We be piecing these puzzles, occupy the chunk of the pie Ain't no lie when we hit the block, helmets casket is top You be seeing helmet after helmet, helmet after helmet First place, second place, fifth place, eighth place, twelfth place, fifteen, sixteen, twenty So many helmets, you got blurred vision, we got too many we are live. Welcome back to the Beat the Bookie podcast, sponsored by SportsBetArmy.com. I am Alan Soslowski, host of the show, but I'm here with the star of the show, my friend John Alicia, a.k.a. Statsational. How you doing, John? Doing well, man. A little holiday weekend for those uh, watching live. Yeah, no, this is uh, we're, we're doing this live July 5th. Um, we're going to put this out. We haven't, it's been about a month since we, we did a podcast, but we thought it was, uh, it was time to start coming back on the regular that now we can see the light of day a little bit. Who knows what's going to happen, but the, the mainstream sports are, are coming back. We know that some of the, you know, like golf still has been back. MMA betting has been gone. Sports betting has been going on over at sportsbetarmy.com, but with baseball and basketball coming back, uh, I fully expect there to be a renewed interest in sports gambling. Yeah, uh, obviously, there's a lot of people itching right now. I mean, uh, in all aspects of life, we're, we're looking to get back to some sort of normal, whatever that's going to be. And sports are, are certainly going to be at the forefront for a lot of people. It's just it's a great outlet. Uh, obviously, most people listening to this are more of hobbyists when it comes to gambling. But we we have. Um, certainly, if you're watching this podcast, you're probably um, a little bit smarter than the average uh, sports better, and you're probably a little bit more into uh, sports betting and getting better at it than the average sports better. So you're ahead of the game. But yeah, I mean, it's such a big uh, release and hobby for so many people, sports, and then, of course, betting on the sports, that it'd be nice to get that back, uh, have a little bit of sanity back in our lives. Okay, so um, just personally, which of I mean, are you which which sport do you find it to be more profitable for your strategies and tips? I mean, of the of the big two coming back, baseball or basketball, or does it you know you make no this you know difference between the two? Like, which one are you most looking forward to uh, getting some action in? Yeah, from a from a betting standpoint, it's uh, it's pretty indistinguishable. Um, actually, over on the DFS side, the NBA is, uh, has been uh, probably the bread and butter sport. The the uh, so that losing losing NBA has been a, a hit to the wallet uh, so far, but um, yeah, I'm really looking forward from a gambling standpoint to get both of uh, both of those sports back. Um, the good thing here, the only you know, if you want to take a positive out of what has happened, is it's given people, and and I'm I'm hoping that uh, you guys listening to this now had the chance to maybe find some other sports that you didn't necessarily bet on in the past. You know, golf's been back now for about a month. Um, you've had soccer coming back here in the last few weeks uh, over in Europe. You had the Bundesliga. Now English Premier League is back. And even before that, you had some of the lesser leagues like in uh, Russia and um, Austria, things like that. So there have been there have been some opportunities. I mean, shoot, we were playing uh, table tennis back when this first started. So, I mean, there's been things where if you're interested and you, you know, what I always liked about sports betting was it's, it's sort of like a puzzle and you're putting the pieces together. Um, and even if you don't necessarily follow the sport, if you gather enough data and you gather enough information, you learn a little bit about the sport, you can try to solve that puzzle. So that's what we've been doing over at Sports Bet Army. We've got guys, um, Anthony over there has been playing, uh, Korean, you know, Korean baseball. Like who ever would have thought we'd, we'd be staying up till, you know, two, three, four o'clock in the morning betting Korean baseball. But that's, you know, kind of what we've been doing. 
There's an old joke it's, uh, that you're, you're a degenerate gambler or you're an irresponsible gambler if you're betting on Hawaii, meaning like the last game <laughs> of uh, the day where you're trying to earn your money back. So, there's, Yeah, there's been a lot of Gonzaga bets in college basketball that uh, I had a lot right, you know, a lot writing back in the back in the more degenerate days. You know, now when I'm, I'm, I'm much more uh, focused and listen, if you have a bad day, you have a bad day and you, you can't try to bail yourself out. But Unfortunately, a lot of you guys listening to this know exactly what Alan's talking about. And uh, you know, that last Hawaii. game of the night, yeah, that, yeah. that Hawaii game, that last game of the night is going to try to bail you out on the day. Um, trust me, we've all been there, all right. and, all right, uh, which is what makes it comical. Yeah, man. All right, John. So let's give some people some uh, some some good actionable refresh because you know we're all interested in you know in in getting back to sports wagering and we want to do it uh, in a way that we're going to make money. We don't. I, I think some of us are going to have a, a propensity just to to kind of we've been we've been on a diet for so long and now we're going off our diet in a sense and we're about to eat. We don't want to go into the store and just start eating pizza and candy and, mm -hmm. and we want to eat responsibly. So just you know. Give people two or three refreshers on what is optimal strategy as we're about to get into some of the mainstream sports betting because you know we probably we probably were more responsible with the Korean baseball and with the League of Legends stuff because we don't know as much about it so we're a little more cautious but we feel we know baseball we feel we know basketball and certainly we know football so we want to uh, so talk talk to us a little bit of a couple things that people need to be reminded of as we get back into it. Yeah, and you you actually hit on a few good uh, points there, and I love the analogy, the the diet analogy, right? Because um, habits are so difficult. Like forming good habits are so difficult, but we're so used to habits, and when we get in bad habits, it's easy to fall into bad habits, like you said. Um, so when you, if anyone's tried to diet, it's really hard to get started, and then but then once you kind of get it going it becomes a lot easier. And as you see the progress, it gets even easier. But once you fall off that wagon, and like you said, you start to eat, you know, you're eating the pizza and the ice cream and everything else, boom, you fall right back in. So like you said, we've been in the quarantine. You may, it's possible you haven't placed a bet now in the last three, four months. Um, so it's real easy if you were getting yourself disciplined to now find yourself undisciplined coming into these new, uh, coming into the, the new seasons here or the extent the uh, extended season here, I guess on the, uh, on the NBA, but what I would suggest here now, and what I really have to do myself is go back to the basics. So the first thing we always talk about is your bankroll. So I want everyone to just establish what your bankroll is. I've had articles on this and I think we've even had podcasts on this. So I don't want to get too uh, detailed about bankroll management, but figure out what your bankroll is. Um, and then I always advise somewhere between one or 2%. If it's a relatively small bankroll, you know, $100 to $1,000, maybe you want to up that to closer to 5%. But that's my unit size. Okay. So if you come over to Sports Bet Army, we always give you plays in unit sizes. Um, typically, they're going to be about one, you know, one unit per game. And then let me ask you that. Let me, yeah. let me ask you that. So say someone's bankroll. So, so say somebody um, arbitrarily said, okay, you know what? Baseball and, and uh, basketball is coming back. I'm going to use a thousand dollars. That's my. So if your bankroll is less than that, we're just using a thousand dollars as mm -hmm. the. So for for this weird season, this sixty day season for baseball, this short, this two month playoff, I want to. I'm never. I'm not going to lose more than a thousand bucks. So what is one unit when you talk about a thousand dollar bankroll? Yeah, it depends on how on how risky you want to be, but I would I would be somewhere in between twenty five to fifty dollars a unit. Okay, so what if percentage? I was a thousand dollar. Do the math. So that's for me. two and a half, two and a half to five percent. 
Okay, two and a half to five percent okay. is one unit of your bankroll. So just do the okay. math, people. If if your bankroll is three hundred bucks for the season, then just do the percentage of, right. of that. That's right. Just divide that by you know by a third, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know when you start getting into the higher bankrolls, I think you want to be a little bit more conservative in the one to two percent range. Um, and the reason you know people ask kind of why you why you do that, and especially hey, you're you're a professional. You 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 know you win all the time. Well, one, I win over the long haul. But I don't win all the time. I actually just wrote an article. If, you, if anyone wants to check it out on gambler's fallacy, uh, if you go over to Sports Bet Army, you could, you could read that. But um, in there, I talk about coin flips. I always like to break it down to something that's really easy for people to understand. If you take coin flips, um, you know there's a there's a probability. There's actually a high likelihood if you flip, let's say, 200 coins, um, that you're going to get like six or seven heads or tails in a row. Well, if we look at heads and tails as wins and losses you're going to go on those kind of streaks. I don't care how good of a better you are. So if we just say, well, maybe my percentage is not 50% on against the spread, I'm closer to 55%. I'm still going to have those six-game losing streaks, seven-game losing streaks. And if you play long enough, you're going to have a 10-game losing streak. If you're not properly uh, – and that's the whole reason what, what we do, like you know, a 2%, 3% bankroll, because it's going to take – at 2%, it's going to take me 50 <clears throat> losses – use up my bankroll right that should give me enough cushion to play with um at five percent of course we're getting a little bit more risky we've got a 20 game cushion but even in that in that you should be okay there if we're if we're uh using proper risk management and uh, unit sizes is there ever a situation where you're you're betting more than one unit or and and if so like what needs to happen and and what is a typical you know plus is it is it a two unit bet i mean does anyone ever make a three or four unit bet like explain how you know when to make a unit size a jump in 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 a unit so here here's the thing it's gonna vary obviously for for everyone but for me um typically i try to stick to a one unit play on my against the spread plays and that's uh you know like an nfl game minus seven things like that i typically bet one unit on those type of uh, plays where my unit size will vary is going to be on the money line type plays. Now, when you start talking baseball, typically we're talking money lines. And why would it vary? Well, if I take a plus 300 in baseball or a plus 300 in MMA or a plus 300 in name the sport, I don't want to risk one unit on that, right? Because even though I think I have some sort of advantage, I have, I, I think it's mispriced. Maybe that plus 300 I think should be priced at like plus 225. Well, even at my pricing, that team is going to win uh, is going to lose that game uh, more than twice the times that they win that game, right? So we're we're trying to just take advantage of what we think or we, you know what our models say is a bad line. So with that said, one unit is far too much risk on a three hundred on a plus three hundred type bet. So I would take a third, mm, or even enough. easier when you're using these online sports books instead of putting in to risk one unit. Get in the habit of putting in to win one unit. Oh, okay. 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 Because That's- the probability of me going, I could lose. I, it's a lot easier for me to lose 10 to 20 um, plus 300 bets in a row. Again, not not likely, but if you do the coin exercise and flip a coin, even it doesn't matter. You're going to go through bad streaks. Um, at plus 300, I don't want to be risking a full unit. I want to I want to risk a third of a unit, and I want to be doing that to win a uh, one unit. So, so get in the habit of looking at to win, not to risk. 
Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. So, you know, that's a good refresher on some basic betting strategy. And um, is is there an approach that you're taking with some of the uncertainty around the the start the restarting of the NBA and baseball and Corona? Is there can you factor this into your formula, or are you just going to proceed as normal? It's going to be like starting pitchers, for example, in right. baseball. Are they going to be pitching two or three innings, or are they going to go six or seven innings? Like, how do we? I mean, you know, and. For those of you who know, this is going to sound redundant, but for, for those who don't know, starting pitching deter- is like the quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it really does determine what the, the the betting line is. So how are you approaching starting pitching for baseball? Yeah, we this is going to be really interesting. Um, and actually, refer back to the value. I believe it was the, it might have been the last podcast we did, but go back um, or a couple of podcasts and look at the value one that we did. Uh, because a lot of what, I was talking about there and we probably should do a part two to that to that as well because i've got some more things to say on it but um you're going to be looking for we're always looking for value and you want to put as many factors in as possible now under a normal season of course we kind of have a good idea as to um you know what inputs we're putting into our models here like you said we've got some differences we don't know our pitchers now are only going to go three innings four innings starting pitchers my personal uh opinion on this is it makes no sense for the top pitchers in the league to be only going three or four innings, right? You have a shortened season. The the tax there's going to be less tax on their arms this year, so I think it's more of an excuse to mm-hmm. where the league is saying it's a lot easier to play with my relief pitchers. Also, I'm not going to burn out my relief pitchers in 60 games as I would over 162. So it's much easier, as we know, if you could actually throw. Take the best pitch, take the 10 elite pitchers, pitchers out of the equation, right? If you if you could just throw a baseball game with like five or six pitchers and kind of mix and match to who you're in an advantage, even if those pitchers aren't as a high quality. We've seen that, right? You see relief pitcher statistics, their ERAs are much lower because they could come in and just kind of air it out for one inning. They know they've got 20 to 30 pitches and that's all they need to throw. Right. They so start. they're giving it all. You know, a starting pitcher historically paced themselves to get to the seventh inning and eighth inning. You know, you just don't see that in baseball anymore. But what I'm thinking is I think the top pitchers are, in fact, going to throw their normal innings or normal pitch counts for a game. And I think you're going to see the lesser pitchers not pitch nearly as much. And they're going to use that as an excuse to use the bullpen because it's not so much the starting pitchers that they're – I think the excuse is, well, we're going to limit starting pitchers. That excuse doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. What it is is we can can put a bigger – uh, workload on our bullpens because of the shortened season. And I think that's the way managers are going to go about it. So you really have to focus on bullpens, not starting pitchers. You know, that's really interesting that, uh, you know, I actually, I, I've heard a lot of debate online and and through podcasts and stuff about the starting pitching that the, your take on that is, is certainly unique. Like I hadn't even thought about that way. That's a really smart way to think about it. Now, the other thing, and I know this is a big deal in, in football, I'm assuming it's the same for, for baseball, but the travel schedules now it, uh, Clear this up for me because I'm about to just shout out some hearsay here. So from what I understand, the is there an advantage to one of the coasts that one of the coasts is not going to have to go cross coast and the other co- the other one is is going to like was there is this ring a bell or anything or is it my just told I, I'm, I'm just repeating words. I heard that some of the teams aren't going to have a vigorous travel schedule and other teams are going to have a little bit more travel. Does that affect anything as far as the, the betting lines? Okay. Well, I actually, I, I only call, I, I, you broke up for a second on me and oh, I only because I'm remote, but I, yeah. I, I do believe I caught the gist. I caught the gist of what you were saying. There. Yeah. Travel schedule. Um, yes. out of, yeah. Okay. 
I, I would not hold, I, I don't put a lot of weight on travel um, in sports. We've, we've spoken about this before and uh, it's good to, it's good to bring this up again as to home field advantages in all sports. It's almost ex exclusively due to uh crowd and not necessarily the crowd noise, although that plays a factor. It's the crowd's influence on officials. We've talked about this. So um, traveling, sleeping in a hotel, you know, the, there's all these excuses. Oh, it's the comfort of staying at home. Um, doesn't really work because they've done this study between the Clippers and the Lakers, let's say, or the Nets and the Knicks, you know, teams that don't uh, have to travel, but are on the road. They have the same home uh, road ratios as uh, other teams that are traveling across the country. Well, so it's, it's, yeah, I, John, I wouldn't, this yeah. begs the question then, if there's no fans in the stands, okay, right. like pivot off of that. Like, what does that mean for, you know, especially for, for NBA where the crowd has, it seems right. to have the most effect. It does have the most effect. And what we've seen, and again, this is something I've spoke, I've spoken about is that effect has actually been reduced. Why is it being reduced? I haven't seen a lot of people talk about this, but it's strictly, again, if we, if we know that officials are the reason and officials are influenced by home crowds, then it stands to reason that the, the home field advantages in all sports have gone down because of replay. The critical calls in all of these games, and it's and in the NBA now, especially the, these calls in the last two minutes, the out of bounds, not you know things things like that, are now being called by a replay. So it's taking out the official in the critical times of a game. So we've right. now seen that the home court advantage has dropped. Right. And this is universal. This was this was home. The same home court advantage in the NBA was the same home court advantage in the Israeli leagues, in the Chinese leagues, in Europe. It was the same exact home field advantage um, throughout. So we're seeing that we've seen it in soccer now without having the home crowds at the soccer matches. There's been a significant uh, drop in home field advantage. Soccer, was, again, was like similar to uh, to basketball. Those were the two sports that had the biggest home fields or home pitch advantages in all of sports. With the lack of fans, you're going to see that come down. Now, I think the sports books are, are onto that now. But I, I think I I believe that you'll still probably get some value on on uh, road teams. Now, in the NBA, everyone's going to be playing in in Orlando, so they're going to be viewing it as neutral. But you may get some value out of uh, MLB, even though that sport, even with fans, is a very small home field advantage, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, home field advantages and, and, and worth that playing the NFL, especially when, when that comes back. Yeah. I, you know, and just on um, like a side note of fans in the stands, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I there's two sports and I'm going to go sports cause I'm going to include professional wrestling in this for a second, where I was watching uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, I was watching the WrestleMania that was on and there was no fans. And I, you know, again, not that I'm a wrestling like super fan, but I was like, Oh, let me check this out. This is cool. And the, the, it sucked without the fans. And what I realized is like, Oh my God, like the fans and wrestling is what actually makes it good. But conversely, when I was watching the UFC, there's been a bunch of UFCs. I actually enjoyed it more without the fans because I was able to hear the, the, snap crackle mm -hmm. pop of the hits i was able to hear the corner give instructions and it occurred to me that the reason i enjoyed because one's a real sport and one's just like a, a broadway show you that's know, right that's right so i'm wondering if i think i might like nba because i want to hear the guys talk trash i want to hear the guys like say you know set that screen set that you know all those different things in nba but uh, i'm i'm a little dubious of of how i will uh how it'll be for nfl and you know for mlb um just from a consumption standpoint and just pivoting off betting for a second, do you have any inkling how it might uh, be? Well, I guess as an experience one and for the 
players too without fans. Yeah, I think I mean it's definitely going to be unique. It's definitely going to be there there's it's going to be different. It's going to take some getting used to. I I agree with you. I watched the MMA in the beginning. What was interesting in the MMA was like uh, Daniel Cormier was doing the commentary on one of the first uh, ones I believe in Jacksonville. And he uh, as a color commentator, he was giving advice as to what the fighter should be doing in that fight. You know, he's like he needs to, you know, he needs to move his, to his left and he's got to get, you know, when they were grappling on the ground, he's like, he's got to get to his left arm and yada, yada, yada. The fighters could hear them because they're in such close proximity right. and there's no noise. And the fighters were acknowledging that they heard him. It was very, very, yeah. uh, very unique. And, I, and I had heard that story. Yeah, that is interesting. And, you know, I mean, and, uh, yeah, no, but I think, I think there's a plus of mind. Like you said, I'd love to hear what's going on on the NBA uh, court. You know, you want to hear the players going at it. Um, you know, the NFL, you're going to be, it's going to be much easier to hear the, the calls of the line of scrimmage, what the defense is calling. I think the leagues need to actually play that up and say, hey, listen, we have a unique opportunity here. We're in a, we're in a, you know, it's a difficult uh, situation that we're all in, but let's give the fans now more access to the players. I, I actually have an investment in um, a company called Little Star, and they do um, they do virtual reality and augmented reality. You, if you have a PlayStation Four, you might see their app on, on there. Um, and I was speaking to those guys that you know uh, the CEO there. They should be uh, you know the leagues now should be looking even more into this augmented reality and virtual reality. Put the fans. I can't be at the game now if I can't be at an NBA game then I should be able to put one of those goggles on and be there virtually out. Like put me on a seat on the bench with the Lakers, put me in a seat, a courtside seat. And then I should be able to bounce around virtually the leagues. This is what they need to be doing. It's like, if you ever wanted to experiment with technology, this is the time to do it. Give me as right. much access as possible. Put me in the damn huddle with the, with the NFL players. Put me, give me a reason to, you know, give me a new reason to watch the game, something cool, you know, and, and maybe in the long run, this will be good. You know, you get these leagues, they, they get a little stagnant at times um, because they have such a huge fan base. Maybe this is an idea, especially from Major League Baseball. The ideas that baseball is coming up with are, are absolutely ridiculous. You're not going to you're not going to draw more fans by putting a runner on second base. And, you know, the, the whole speeding up the game uh, issue. There's ways to speed up the game without ruining the game. Um, they're trying and they're not going to bring the fans, the fans that they think they're going to bring in for that reason. So to me. They need to be more creative and try to make the experience at home. And then when people go to the ballpark, uh, just that much more better. Other than the runner on second base, which if you're not familiar, that's an extra innings rule in order to speed up the game, right? They're going to put a runner on second. And this way that, you know, there's presumably no more 15 inning games that if there is extra innings, it ends in an extra inning or two. Um, what was uh, one or one of the other major uh, proposals that they had for MLB? Well, I mean, the, the DH, which is an inevitability, is going to be in the National League. That's, okay, that's, that's long happen. overdue. That's long that's, overdue. That's going to happen, yeah. and, that, and that, that's been inevitable. Um, it was crazy to me that there's two different rules. for. It's just the craziest thing it's ever. Been, yeah, well, it's been that way for a long time, yeah. the um, And, I, you know, as a, as a National League guy, I've always kind of fought it. But, it, you so know, at the pro, end of the day. You're probably, pro-DH or you're anti-DH? I mean, I've, I've always I've always enjoyed the game without the DH just because I'm a traditionalist. But the mm -hmm. but I do – but it's, it's nothing that would uh, drive me nuts. But now, now, if you wanted to talk about speeding up the game, the games are much longer in the American League because of it because you have no – you don't care about when you take your pitcher out in the American League as opposed to the National League. You'll try to go that extra inning with a pitcher because mm -hmm. he's coming up the next inning. Um, and, of course, the pitcher spot in the lineup, uh, you know, is – generally in and out so it's sort of 
speeds the game up a little bit more uh, from that. So, but I, but I understand the argument on the other side from a competitive standpoint, like, you know, if the game is so specialized, have guys who can hit and you have guys who can pitch and, and uh, you know, so but, be it. So I, I'm, just, I'm fine with it. It would almost be like if the NBA said like, okay, the teams in the East are going to have the three pointer and the teams in the West uh, don't. I mean, it, it, it's odd. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely odd. But it, it made a little bit of sense when the teams didn't play each other. Now that they play each other, right. it just doesn't make any sense. Like the league, the interleague play, like just have one set of, of rules. Yeah, interleague play is be, interleague play yeah. is, a dec- is a decade old now. Anyway, oh, it's more. It's it's, it's two decades old. More oh, is it? Started in the nineties. Yeah, started wow. in the nineties. Ninety six, I believe. And uh, yeah, but you you've got the they're trying all these. They want to put a shot clock on the pitcher. Or you know, pitch clock thirty seconds, like things like that make no sense. I'll, I, you can knock off. I can knock off 20, 30 minutes a game by cutting the in between uh, in between innings are two to two and a half minutes long, right? If you cut that down to a minute, do your commercial breaks. The pitchers don't need eight warm up pitches. The pitchers stroll out to the mound. They throw their eight warm up pitches. Like they don't need eight warm up pitches. Yeah, but and if you're not gonna, you they're not gonna cut a minute. They're not gonna cut commercial no. load. Yes, but where you make the money up is you have the in game split screen commercials golf does it nascar does it so while the game and baseball is a very slow paced game while the game's going on there's absolutely no reason that you can't have the small box with the uh game going on it takes 30 seconds for these guys to get up to the plate that's a whole commercial by the time the guy gets out of the batter's box and or out of the uh, on deck circle into the batter's box you've got a whole 30 second 20 second commercial so i there's there's ways to make up for it yeah Um, and speed the game up without actually changing the game plus you'll keep eyeballs on the game I turn the game off, you know, in between I go to another game or I go to something else in between innings, you know, and if I get captivated in something else, I don't come back to the game. I forget. The attention so, span but anyway. is short for sure. Anyway, so, okay, with the with the last few minutes of this podcast, uh, what else should we be thinking about as we're getting back and or stretching our sports gambling muscles out a little bit? Yeah. Uh, just one or just one or two things just to refresh. We talked about bankroll management, very, you know, stay disciplined, come over to sports bet army, not just picks. We'll give, we'll give you, um, you know, some basic betting strategy. You'll be able to talk to our coaches, but what else are some general things that people can remember as they get back into it? Someone asked me a question the other day. It touches on bankroll. I'm going to really quickly, uh, someone asked about like taking a draw, um, or how do you pay yourself and whatnot. Now, if you're doing this, Casually, like I said, you have a thousand dollar bankroll. I would strongly suggest never touching that money until the, your season ends. So give yourself a season, whatever that season may be. If you're strictly an NBA better, absolutely fine. You know, do um, uh, an NBA season, and then um, at the end of the NBA season, figure out where you're at, and maybe it, hopefully you're profitable. You made a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, and that's what you're going to put. Um, you know, that's your bonus money. You're going to go out and spend something with that. Inevitably, what I see people do is they have a really good weekend and they're rich, right? You know, they win five bets in the NFL and now they take that money and then they, you know, they're not looking at the big picture. I try not to touch any of my bankroll at all. I don't view it as mine. Um, and then I'll take a uh, every every few weeks. We're talking about a larger scale here, but I'd say for the smaller person, I would I would do a yearly or semi-yearly give myself a little bonus. So I would never want to dip below what my bankroll is. If I had a thousand dollar bankroll, just don't dip below it. Um, and if you're lucky enough to get it to 2000, one of two options, you want to continue to be a thousand dollar bankroll guy, by all means, if you want to now say increase your bets, cause you have 2000 bankroll again, smart idea. But again, have a plan before it happens, have a plan going in um, as to what you're going to do. So that would be one thing that kind of touches also on bankroll management 
how do you deal with taking a, a draw? Um, you know, one other thing I'm working on, I was speaking to Geek about this, is um, I'm, I'm trying to find uh, or trying to put together an actual psychological profile so that you could better understand what type of gambler you are. Mm. Um, there's two real main type of gamblers and, and there are two main kind of traders as well. Like, so when I trade currencies, um, you've got technical, technical analysts and you've got fundamental analysts or technical traders and fundamental traders. Uh, Ryan trades stocks. And, and if you're into stocks, he's also posting a lot of really good information. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, on, uh, we're going to talk army. about Ryan. He's talking about, uh, coach fight on in, fight our, on, yep. yep. In our sports bet army, um, Slack chat. And Ryan's really good with the fundamentals. So he's he's really and when I say fundamentals of a company, you're looking at the break, you're looking at their earnings, their revenue, um, you know, everything that goes into uh, what makes up a company, what new products they may have coming out. So you're looking at the fundamentals of the company. A technical trader is really doesn't care all that much about the fundamentals. They're looking at the charts. Um, and I think most people fall somewhere if 10 is if 10 is the ultimate fundamental trader and one is the ultimate technical trader most people fall somewhere in the probably you know the three to seven range where they use some fundamentals some technicals which one they use more uh depends on the person i view the same thing in sports betting so i tend to be more of a technical trader right so i may not know all the fundamentals of a, a sport typically like like we were just talking about you know learning these new sports i don't know every player on the russian soccer match that I'm that I'm betting on. So I'm going to be really far from a fundamental trader or fundamental gambler in that scenario. I'm going to be closer to that technical trader because I'm strictly using the numbers. Um, but you need to be somewhere. You need to figure out what kind of a, a gambler you are, sports gambler. Are you someone who's going to be head into the spreadsheets, figuring out the numbers? Or are you a guy who watches the games and you get, you know, you, you have a really good understanding of breaking games down? I will say this. If you think you fall and you're being honest with yourself, you think you fall closer to a fundamental trader or fundamental uh, type of gambler, that's the most difficult way to go because you, you more than anyone else now need to understand that one, you're going to be influenced by everything that you read, everything that you see, all these analysts on TV while you're watching the game. If you have it on, with, you're going to be influenced by these things, whether you think you are or not. So you then need to come up with a plan where maybe you watch the game with no with no sound and you're doing your own analysis in your head. Um, you don't watch ESPN um, to try to be swayed one way or the other, or you or you understand totally uh, what it is you need. You know how to watch these things. We talked about this before about the media um, on another podcast, but you really um, when you get good at it, you start to understand what information is valuable, what you can uh, ascertain from different sources and what you could pick and choose as to what's the important information. So anyway, learn what kind of a gambler you are. The closer you are to a technical uh, analyst, I think the better. Yeah, but most of us are not that. Most, most why, of us are not. Yes. Right, and, fact, and, that's, say, and that's why people join Sports Bet Army because they get right. the technical analysis. Yeah, I think we we like to bet on – the whole reason we like to bet on sports because, one, we're sports fans – and it's our way of, of proving we're right. We want to be right more than it is we want the money right. Most of us are playing, hopefully, at a at an amount that we can handle. It's not life-changing money for, for a lot of people. So it shouldn't be if you're betting one game for life-changing money. That's that's a little, uh, a little extreme again. So 
what most people, it's a, it's a bragging thing. It's, it's an ego thing. We want to be right. I want to show you that I knew the Lakers were going to win the championship. Like I knew they were going to win that game. And right? you want to stake in the game, right? Like and you, you, and in, you right. Want to, in order right. to prove it, you have to have some cash on the line. And, and it's, it's a fun, it's a fun way for a sports fan to go about, um, to go about doing it. But that's why the average better is probably, if I say 10 is totally fundamental, they're probably in the eight range. Maybe I might even be light on that. That may be closer to 10, but let's say eight, um, where I would say I'm closer to a two or a three, where you need to know the fundamentals, fundamentals in the aspect of who's starting, who's hurt, you know, things like that. But at the end of the day, that's more the fundamentals are going to feed the models and it's going to feed the numbers. Um, and then there's where you need to know the fundamentals when you're doing that is sometimes the numbers are so off that you need to reevaluate, reevaluate like exactly why, you know, if I see something, if I'm getting a price in my mind that is so good, well, I got to double and triple check that. Like I must've missed something and that's where the right. fundamentals go in. So the more you know about the sport, the more confidence you'll have in, in your numbers being accurate. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good, um, that's a really good piece of advice. And I, and I like that. And I look forward to that tool or survey that you guys are developing over at sports bet army to find out which type of a, a psychological profile you have. All right, everybody. I think that's a, a good place to pause for now, John. Um, remember if you want to join us as sports betting is getting bet ramped back up over at sportsbetarmy.com, just come on over, uh, DM us at sports bet army and ask us how to get a two free months. Uh, you, by making a deposit in one of our affiliated sports books is how you do it. Um, and, and you join us, you can ask questions as a member to John and, and all the coaches over there, Ryan, Anthony, the professional sports betters, and we'll be back a little bit more regularly now with some, some good, um, actionable content. So keep a lookout, uh, do us a favor, uh, subscribe to the channel here, the YouTube channel, just give us a subscription or a comment in the video. We will comment back. That does help us. Uh, it helps us get this, this, the message out there a little bit. And also uh, come join us, like I said, over at the, the website. We're retooling it. It's It's been updated, and there's a lot of interesting things. Are We're excited, John, that sports gambling is coming back. Um, I can't wait to uh, to get doing this a little bit more because, like I've always told you, this is one of my favorite half hours of the week is hanging with you. All right. For my friend John Alicia, a.k.a. Statsational, I'm Alan Soslowski, and we'll see you next time on the Beat the Bookie podcast. Join us over at sportsbetarmy.com. Bye-bye.